Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peace, peace, everybody out there. Peace, peace to everybody out there. Hope you guys can hear me. Welcome to Quantum Imaging Radio, um, the first of many, many installments to come dealing with the topic of uh, quantum imaging, quantum physics, the power of imagery, the power of subjective appropriation to create the reality that you're looking to manifest. And so on today's show, um, what I've decided to do is talk about the importance of imagery uh, and also talk about what shuts down your ability to quantum image. A lot of you who may be new to um, this message, who may not know who I am, I go by the name of Minister Jew, a.k.a. Jamil, the Imagination Guru, um, have a plethora of videos on YouTube where I discuss this phenomenon in detail, um, giving a lot of information about how this phenomenon actually works, and which I feel is the um, the new way of of thinking, the new way of applying yourself mentally um, to achieve your goals, to achieve your desires, to quench your thirsts um, that you feel that you want to manifest, that you want to create for yourself, for others, you know, family members, children, etc. Um, this thing even goes down to healing um, when we really understand the true power that we have and the connection that we have to source, to the universe, dark matter, whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever, you know, makes you feel more comfortable. But that source that has everything in this universe holding everything in this universe up um, that is running on a very, 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 very subtle level, but nonetheless is very, very powerful. Once we tap into that and using the gateway or the corridor of imagery to get us there to that singularity point, then we see just how powerful we are as human beings, as little gods and goddesses um, down here on this earth plane. And, and then life really, really opens up the possibilities and probabilities of what, what we can accomplish while we're here becomes unlimited. It becomes, uh, it becomes fun. The journey becomes really, really fun. We start to see how these things correspond back into this reality, how this thing is really just a mirror of your thoughts and your emotions. And the more you tap into it, um, the greater you become as far as consciously creating outcomes and circumstances in your life. So this is what quantum imaging will generally be about uh, on these shows. I intend on doing these shows twice a month, um, once every other week. I really don't want to dilute the message or have my voice drown out. Um, and so I decided to do it at a steady pace, but spread it out quite a bit. That way it keeps it fresh. It keeps it exciting. Uh, keeps people attentive, keeps people coming back to want to learn more. And so I plan on doing these every other week. Try to keep it under an hour on this platform um, to get as much information as I can out within the hour um, that you can absorb it and go back and study it yourself and start to apply some of these uh, and how some of this stuff actually works. So um, first, I want to get into the power of imagery because it is uh, the quantum imaging uh, show. And just to give you guys a, a, a brief overview of imagery, um, you know, today is September 11th, right? And this is a day that's going to forever be marked 
in the consciousness of the people here domestically in the United States and the world, for that matter. You know, who can forget the the morning, you know, early morning, 8, 9 o'clock, you know, where we saw this act take place where a lot of innocent people lost their lives, to be really, really frank about it. And, um, you know, the anguish, the pain, the despair that you saw on a lot of people's faces um, as that event was being recorded in real time on your your news broadcasting stations, um, you're never going to forget that, you know, uh, if you don't consciously do the work to 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 repeal or to revise what it is that you saw, um, especially people who had people connected to you know close to the situation, family members that may have been in New York in those buildings, people on those planes, etc. You know, people who have a really really close emotional connection to the people who got hurt, injured, or died in that event. Uh, it's even tougher for them to rehash and relive that moment. And so, you know. When you see those images, when you see those planes crashing into those buildings and you see these people walking out bloodied and the, the, the bewilderment on people's faces as they came from out of, um, you know, these buildings and other surrounding buildings where the, where the chaos was happening, you can remember exactly where you were, can't you? The moment you see those images, right, and – they, you don't see these images often. You see them right around this time of year, right? You can remember exactly where you were, what you were doing, uh, the environment that you were in, the moment that you start to see these images flash in front of your face, and they penetrate your, 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 your optics. And so the power of imagery allows you to move in a time capsule in consciousness. It allows you to move in the past, and it also allows you to move into the future, specifically one that you're purposely creating through the use of inner imagery. And so it invokes emotion as well, doesn't it? That imagery of 9-11 that you see, uh, based upon how you felt about the situation, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever your personal opinion is about the situation, that's your personal opinion. But whatever that opinion is, you feel a certain type of way about that opinion. And so the images immediately start to invoke spatial recognition, i.e. where you were at when it happened, and it also invokes an emotional apparatus attached to the imagery to invoke a feeling about that certain situation. So now you have multiple things going on in your consciousness at the same time. Now, the spatial orientation, where you're at in space, where you were located when this thing happened, this is all predicated upon a structure in the Olympic brain called the hippocampus. People who've heard me talk about this on the radio before know that I'm very, very um, concerned with the use and function of this particular structure deep in the limbic brain that deals with imagery, the ones that you take in from your eyes that you start to categorize as memories, and also the internal imagery that you, that you produce, let's say from a fantasy or from a uh, dream or from a vision or from a visualization technique. All of these things are actually... Um, facilitated through this particular structure, primarily the one in the right hemisphere of the brain, because you do have uh, the hippocampus is, is in both regions of the brain. You have one in the right hemisphere. You have one in the left hemisphere. The one on the left more uh, primarily deals with the linguistics and how you take in verbal information and remembering what things mean based upon the words that we express. The right hippocampus doesn't deal with words per se. It's more images, tones, colors, etc. Right, and so um, when you start to realize how this structure actually operates, you start to see when you see these images on your television today, how and what structure is actually being stimulated and activated, which is really being stimulated and activated every time you cut your television on and you watch anything on it. 
because it's an image being projected from the screen. And so that structure in the brain that's specifically dealing with imagery is always active whenever you're looking at something on a monitor, okay? So <clears throat> imagery is important because it does what? It invokes emotion, and it, it, it requires you to know where you're at in time and space as far as your spatial memory um, is concerned. So now, something that happened, you know, 15 years ago stimulates a real emotion in a person right now, even though it's not happening in this particular moment, which means the brain is producing chemicals that is being released down into your nervous system that is causing you to feel a certain type of way. You might start crying. Your heart gets heavy. Um, different things start to happen, which now creates a situation in your body, in the cells, in the tissue, et cetera, in your body, which now leaves you, you know, performing in a lackluster sense, um, not operating, you know, in a, in, from a jovial place of joy and happiness when you see these images. So now images has an effect on the physiology of the body, just the image. Nobody never even touched you. You're just looking at a picture, and it's doing something to you physically. Okay? So now we have who they call the father of talk therapy, Sigmund Freud, who he had over 25 volumes of published work. And in these 25 volumes, of published work, there was only one case of a successful um, treatment. It was a 14-year-old boy who had a tick issue, and he was having hysterical vomiting problems, uh, massive headaches that were going along with this tick condition that he had. And so in one session, what Freud did was he decided to invoke imagery, something that he never had did before. And when he did it, he told the young boy, when you close your eyes, you're definitely going to start to see images. Images are going to start to flash on the screen of space in the darkness of your mind when you close your eyes. And so when the young boy closed his eyes and he followed the instructions via the talk therapy from Freud, Freud started to give him interpretation of some of the images that he was seeing in his mind. And when the young boy came from out of the session, the tick was completely gone. All of his conditions subsided after this one situation where Freud decided, you know what, I'm not just going to talk, you know, because people go to psychiatrists and they just talk, 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 sit down, and let's just talk, 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 talk. And you can go to these things three to five years and have very minimal, if any, change in your condition as far as whatever the traumatic experience was that you experienced that forced you to go to some type of talk therapy. And so when Freud did this, this young boy came out, and the tick was completely gone. And you can find this. This, this was reported in um, the 1899, um, in the, interpret of the year 1899 of the Interpretation of Dreams, by Freud in one of his one of the one of his twenty five volumes. You can actually find it here. But he is the only source that you see in Freud's work where a successful, thoroughly successful treatment was done on a patient and he just so happened to use imagery. What's interesting is you don't find that anywhere else in Freud's work. Um and which is strange, you know, if you if you're observing it and trying to analyze it because in this case, you actually had somebody who was, um, who was, shall we say, healed or recovered from an issue that they were having. And so this is some of the things that we deal with in quantum imaging uh, with my members and whatnot. We teach people how to appropriate imagery subjectively to have changes happen, not only just on a mental level, but all the way down into the physiology of the body, um, in which I just explained when you see certain images on the TV today or or whatever the situation was that may have caused you pain, 
you start to fill it in the body, you're creating stress, et cetera, all of these things are happening, and it's causing an effect on your physical condition just from an image. So now what happens when we understand that we can appropriate the imagery that we desire to change the outcomes of our lives, right? So um, give you a couple, couple facts on the hippocampus because this is what we're speaking on. Just a couple. It is slightly, the shape of the hippocampus is slightly different than people who have higher IQs, okay? So people who have what we consider to be um, more cognitive ability, the structure and the shape of the hippocampus in these people's brains is slightly different from the average Joe Blow, okay? Also, it it also starts to increase in gray matter, which science says is, is a telltale sign of sheer intelligence, where intelligence is developing in the brain. It starts to, uh, it starts to build, the structure starts to have more gray matter appear within it and around it from people who act like traveling or moving about from place to place. Example, taxi drivers. They've done studies with taxi drivers who've had, you know, 20, 30 years of taxi experience where, you know, they know wherever they're, they know the terrain in which they're driving very well. They know how to take shortcuts to get from A to B. They know what's the shortest route to get you from the south side of town to the west side of town which highway will get me here or put me off here, which one has the, the, the toll booths, et cetera. You know, all of these different things um, to get you from A to B in the shortest amount of time to save you a dollar and also to save them time so that they can make some more money because the more time that the taxi driver has in a day or a shift, the probability and possibility of him or her receiving more clientele or more business can only be more lucrative for that particular taxi driver. So it's best if I can get you from A to B in a quicker fashion because then I can go pick up my next person or the, you know, from the airport or wherever to get them to where they're going, and now I can make some more money. So what I can do, so two or three drop-offs that I could do in an hour versus not really knowing where I'm going, which may take me, and two drop-offs may take an hour, I'm losing money, okay? So taxi drivers have more gray matter in their hippocampus, more so than people who do like, um, you know, bus routes. You know, say say somebody who drives a CTA bus or somebody who drives a, um, a pace bus that's just a deliberate route, straight line, linear line. We're going to run down Chicago Avenue and back. We're going to run down North Avenue and back. This is very linear travel. It's not a whole lot of cutting and zagging and et cetera. So these people are not creating as much gray matter on their hippocampus from learning their terrain or spatial orientation in such a way where it causes one to become more intelligent and be able to navigate in open areas at a much, much um, higher rate or higher level of intelligence per se. So what does this mean? Now, the hippocampus is a cognitive structure. It's connected to the frontal lobes. So you're going to do a lot of problem solving when you're, when you're interacting with this hippocampus. So now, how does images, now we have to look at this. It says it's connected to the frontal lobe, and it's a cognitive structure that actually deals with problem solving. So now, if the hippocampus on the right does not deal with language. It deals with pictures, tones, colors, rhythm, and all of these other things. How is this a cognitive structure that is going to help me solve problems? Now remember, Freud is the king guy of talk therapy but he doesn't have any success, any documented success thoroughly with just trying to talk a person to, to sleep or talk a person out of an issue. But the moment that he uses imagery, all of a sudden the physical condition is now changed in the individual. 
So we have to look at this. We have to analyze this. We have to figure out what is really being said from this methodology. What it is suggesting is that all of the things that the right hippocampus is able to do can promote a healthier lifestyle, can heal you, can take you to higher plateaus in your endeavors. And so we're going to get into some of that on these shows and on this broadcast. But today what I want to do is talk about, because a lot of people, you know, I understand there's a lot of skeptics, people who are not too sure, and that's okay because everybody's growing at their own pace. They're learning at a different rate. And so the more information that you give an individual, the more comfortable they become with um, processing certain information and learning to accept new ideas and concepts that are attached to scientific truths in order to move forward and get past the roadblock that may exist in their minds. And so imaging, before I get into this uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, which blocks uh, a lot of the abilities of the hippocampus that we're speaking about, before we get into that, I have to talk about this quantum dynamic because it is quantum imaging. So we went over the imaging part. Now, quantum physics is a very, very, very interesting subject matter, okay? And uh, it really, really goes against the traditional laws of physics. And this is where a lot of people have a hard time um, accepting some of this information as far as how it's being appropriated um, through some of the works that we do, other than the people who actually appropriate it and then they get results, you know, and the truth always Rings clear. Until you tried it or until you practiced it, you'll never know the validity of it because you really are the operating power, right? And so until you tried it and then you see the results, then of course it's not going to work because you're not consciously being a creator of that which you are, the tools that you're being given to utilize. So the quantum dynamic suggests a lot of things. First of all, it is the precursor to anything that we see on the physical level. But what happens is our reasoning, logical minds, because we're in the physical world, when we see these things happening around us, it appears to be so concrete and real. And, yes, if you bump your head against some concrete, it's going to hurt. You're going to probably bleed. I'm not telling you that that's not going to happen because you, your physical body is particle reality. You're in this particle reality, okay? So it, it's not, I'm not saying that you're going to defy the laws of physics while you're in this physical reality, but see, consciousness in and of itself is synonymous with quantum because when you get into these experiments, the famous double slit and other experiments, it has not been one time that the information in these experiments has been debunked or has come out and represented something other than what it already has represented for the last 100 years as it's being studied as a phenomenon. And a phenomenon is this. Human consciousness has a direct effect on electrons and photons or what we're calling subatomic particles, the moment that your consciousness observes light in a wave format, you have a direct connection with how that light or wave is going to appear in the physical reality. So it's like this, and this is the analogy that I always use. Like, you know, you got to, in order to make a cake, you have to have, um, you have to have butter and sugar and flour and, you know, the actual cake mix. All of these things are important ingredients in making the cake. And so, 
your observation, you know, because a good baker, they have to know, okay, how much of this do I need? How much of that do I need? You're making observations because another word that they use for observations is measurements. They call it the measurement effect or the observation effect. So when you're in the kitchen and you're baking up your, your favorite pie or cake, you have to have measuring devices in order to say, if I put this much and that much and this much and that much, this cake should come out and taste and look like this. And so it's the same thing with, with the quantum dynamic. These waves or these subatomic particles are, are the equivalent to the flour and the, the butter and the sugar and all of these other things that it, they exist. These are things that exist that it's actually the building blocks for the physical thing that we call matter, right? All of these things, without these principles in the universe, nothing physical can exist. Without electrons, without protons, you have no atoms. It doesn't exist. And so what happens is the moment that we make an observation or a measurement of these things that's part of our uh, protocol to make certain objects, the moment that we make an observation of that or a measurement of that, we have an effect on the way that that cake actually shows up when it comes out of the oven. Or in other terms, whatever we're observing in our mind's eye through the use of our own consciousness, if, we put, if we're putting all the proper measurements together of the object, even though it, nobody, like, you know, you don't see the cake yet. It's being whipped up. You don't know what the final project is going to look like, but the person who's used to making the measurements in the kitchen has made this cake a thousand times know exactly how it's going to come out. So it's the same thing with quantum physics and consciousness. The moment that we realize that consciousness is the ingredient in and of itself, it's this cosmic um, pool that exists in all things and is everywhere all the time and is, is, is at our availability for usage to create phenomenons in the external world because nobody can see your thoughts can they can people nobody can see your thoughts is nobody's going to stand in front of you and say i see exactly what you're thinking right now right nobody can see it that's operating inside of your own personal um in your own dungeon nobody can see your thoughts in your own dungeon you're there it's locked away and, it's, you know, it's not up for debate about what you're thinking unless you open your mouth or you write something down. Then people are able to make an observation of maybe your character or, you know, what, you know, what, what side of the issue you may lay on or fall on. But nobody's able to see your thoughts. And so it's the same thing with consciousness. When you start to appropriate things on a subjective level through imagery using your consciousness, you're able to affect the way that it appears in the physical world at any given time it appears. You know, like, you know, some things take longer to bake. You might, a cake might bake an hour and a half, a pie might bake 45 minutes, I don't know, whatever the baking time is, but different things require different time periods and allotments to come into formation. And so um, the, the better you get with the procedure of quantum consciousness and quantum imaging, the better you'll be able to tell. Like, you know, I call them symptoms. People start to see these symptoms popping up. It's like when the cake is in the oven, the, the first symptom of you knowing it's done is the whole kitchen is lit and starts to spread out through the house with this great smell of cookies all through the house. You know, okay, it's about that time. About 10 or 15 more minutes, they, they be ready. It's coming out. So it's the same thing in the physical world. You start to get these symptoms from quantum imaging of what it is that you were were mixing up in your kitchen with all of the ingredients, now you're starting to get remnants of what it is to look like later through these symbols or through these, um, these objects or even certain words people will be saying. And things start to pop up in your reality that resemble the thing that you've got baking in your oven called consciousness. Okay? So, but what stops that, right? Because we covered quantum dynamic to a degree we've covered the imaging dynamic what stops that one of the major things that slows down an individual's ability to 
quantum image is what they call post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, there are many symptoms to this. People have flashbacks, nightmares, memory lapses, lack of concentration, sleep disturbances, all kind of things are symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, the reason that this becomes important is because this disorder has a direct effect on the hippocampus, the Olympic brain, a direct effect, okay? It shrinks the hippocampus. In some studies, the hippocampus will shrink up to 8% smaller in people's brains who have this particular stress disorder, okay? Now, common sense would tell you, we just talked about all of the things that the hippocampus actually does and how it is the key um, structure that's dealing with this quantum dynamic inside of the brain. So now, if this structure starts to shrivel up, what does this say for your potential to quantum image or to be a law of attraction uh, aficionado, right? What does, what does this mean? It means you reduce the probability of you being able to step into a zone to create realities and worlds for yourself and people who are around you that you care for it hinders you from being able to get into that zone because now the structure that's responsible for creating the phenomenon is starting to become atrophied. It's starting to become impaired. All of these different things are occurring when the stress is present, okay? Um, also, what happens when stress is, 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 is inflicted in the mind and it, it reaches the hippocampus and the receptors on it, it causes deficits in people being able to learn new things, all right? And so this is why they tell you when you're a child, expose your children to a lot of things when they're young because the hippocampus is also, it's strengthened whenever you start to integrate yourself into a lot of social or positive social interactions, the hippocampus starts to generate and activate, and it really, really is enthused by your integration or interaction with positive social interaction and experiences. So people who haven't been exposed to new things, to new ideas, to other concepts of how other people live, right, to, to new modalities of thinking, even to new locations, like people who have never left their city, or it's some people who've never been into the downtown area of their own city. And uh, the hippocampus is also activated and strengthened by movement and motion. We spoke about that dealing with the taxi cab drivers versus the bus route people. So when you start to move around, right, and you start to socialize in circles that are positively reinforcing, your creative juices begin to activate. You start to think of new ideas to generate different situations and scenarios for yourself. You start to envision uh, better conditions for you to thrive in. And the moment that that image in the mind's eye becomes solidified and activated through this hippocampus, then all of the quantum soup in the universe converges on that image and that idea. And I don't care if it, it's a, if it takes a thousand people in order for your dream to become manifest, that's exactly what's going to happen. This universal quantum soup is going to find each and every player that's going to be responsible for helping you get to that plateau in which you have set your mind on. If you're persistent and repetition and your drive and enthusiasm matches. So elevated emotion is what I call it. Okay? So when this stress disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder kicks in, it damages the probability for this to happen. And it also blocks neurogenesis, meaning 
the creation of new neurons, which, by the way, is only found to happen in two places in the brain, which is in the olfactory bulb and the hippocampus. It is said that you generate roughly 700 new neurons on the hippocampus every single day. Now, later as we progress into this show, I'll probably get into some of the ancient and holy texts where we can show how a lot of them were encoding uh, neurological processes um, to reach a state, a different state of awareness or a different state of consciousness, right, where you're able to create different phenomena, okay? And so we'll see these different things happening uh, in similar stances in these different texts, and we'll see how some of these figures have similar characteristics and traits. That is because certain electrical currents in the brain have become activated, which allows for what an average normal person would consider to be far-fetched, impossible, um, non-cipher, as they call it, right? So um, we may get, get into that maybe in some latter shows. I may get into some of these figures and actually break down what, 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 what's going on in the brains of such individuals who go through heightened experiences of awareness and consciousness and different electrical currents spill over into different regions of the brain and activate different synaptic channels. But that's for later. Um, so here we have this disorder which is happening. And this is where it becomes important to understand how we're classifying experiences upon uh, interaction or upon situation when, we're, um, when we may be presented with a problem or what appears to be a problem. The moment that you classify something from the initial response as bad or negative and you don't look at it as a necessarily a learning experience, and this is happening because um, – the, the amygdala structures in the brain, uh, specifically the one in the right hemisphere, which is actually connected to the hippocampus. Both of these are connected to each other in the limbic brain. Um, the, amygdala's, the amygdala on the right is far more easily excitable than the hippocampus on the right, but not by much, all right? But it is, it is, it is a lot more excitable, which means it's always getting an electrical <clears throat> or current sent to it because it's processing what's going on in your external environment as a threat. Is it a threat? Is it safe? You know, it's giving you um, the initial stages of, well, is it flight or is it fight? What's going on here? And the reason that this is happening is because we as human beings have to have our guards up for survival, all right? So you don't want to be naive and say that the right amygdala is not necessary because it is necessary. In some cases, you do need to fight or run. That's just the bottom line behind it. And it, it sends the trigger to the nervous system and the other structures in the limbic brain to let you know which one you should do or how you should engage it, Right? And then it, by it being connected to the hippocampus, which is a cognitive structure, now once you get the initial social response from the amygdala and what you should or should not do, now this cognitive structure is coming online, giving you all of these mathematical equations. You, you know what it's like? It's like those stories where you hear about the mother or somebody, one of those miracle stories where the baby got trapped under the car and all of a sudden this just strength came out of nowhere. She was able to pick the car up. Or you hear these type of stories. This is what's happening when this is going on, all right? And then immediately after it's over, they're like, I don't know what happened. I don't know how I did it. I just did it, right? But then you start to understand that the right hippocampus is responsible for a lot of unconscious math, too. And so you see, as we spoke earlier, it can, different things can happen from imagery and down into the physiology of the body. So all of a sudden, this adrenaline is pumping, and then this, this super cosmic strength that you didn't even think that you could muster up somehow finds a way to get into your muscles, and all of a sudden you do this miraculous thing, you see? But we see these things happen in only these small glimpses because we haven't reached the full potential because we're not consciously activating the electrical currents in our brain to do these type of things, 
Okay? So what what we have to what we have to start doing is consciously utilizing this structure that deals with the, the the increase of intelligence in the mind, the ability to problem solve, the ability to create um, extraordinary phenomenon, and create a brighter, happier outlook. Now, it is necessary, and they tell you that the hippocampus is absolutely necessary to ward off Depression, when you start to read on these studies, they tell you how activation of the hippocampus is absolutely necessary uh, as an antidepressant. So then you'll see why in some studies, especially women who've been abused, specifically sexually abused, um, some of these women have what they call disassociative um, Identity disorder, where um, the abuse and they feel shame and fear. I read some studies where they say certain words will trigger uh, imbalances in their ability to use the hippocampus and the frontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex. So in essence, what's happening here, that experience that they had of sexual abuse and or abuse, parental neglect, whatever it may have been, these things impair these young ladies or now grown women from being able to cognitively come up with positive answers or good answers to different scenarios that they might be encountered with in their life. And this can leave them scarred forever because now they can't have positive relationships. It's harder for them to interact with their mates. And even though this mate may be the best man in the world, right, this imagery that has now been logged away in the hippocampus as an episodic memory is constantly reinforcing distress in the body, right, which, you know, which creates an emotion and then you act out or a situation occurs in which how you're thinking and feeling shows up as an event or a circumstance in your physical reality. You see, these things, specifically the hippocampus, is my focus, is to get people into a different state of being, get people into activating this particular structure, because it is here where we're going to find ourselves becoming conscious creators. This is where it's at. And the moment that we accept that and start to practice it, we start to see the changes in our, in our minds. We start to feel better. We start to think clearer. Uh, opportunities start to arise for us to do um, great things, okay? And so that's my mission. This is the mission of Quantum Imaging Radio. We're going to get into this type of subject matter twice a month, bringing you new information, um, things that are going to challenge your perception about what you think reality is and know that um, this matrix is only responding to what it is that you're thinking and feeling, what it is that you're repeating on a regular basis, and, and most importantly, imagery that you are feeding yourself or allowing others to feed you, which is responsible for the imagery that is being projected in the external world. And this is where collective consciousness becomes very important, okay? And so we can see where the ignorance is coming from. It's not because people don't want to know better. It's just because they don't know better. They're not, they, nobody's pointing them in the direction to show them the science behind what it is that is happening here so that then we can implement new strategies, new ideas about how we can bring peace to this world and, and, and bring change on both our personal levels and on a domestic front collectively as a nation. Um, and so what I want to do is I'm going to go to the line because I have a caller here, one of my members, wonderful member, Miss um, Nikki. She's on the line. 
Um, she had a situation where her daughter had an issue, and I'm going to let her explain it, um, you know, what happened, what she did. But she's a member of Quantum Imaging, and as I stated earlier in the broadcast, I stated how um, light, or maybe I didn't, one, one of the, one of the, one of the um, enhancers that deals with um, uh, post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, one of the things that actually uh, works against it and helps you negate that particular disorder is the processing of light. Um, they have something called SAD where, you know, when people get into climates where it's more sunshine, they're just naturally more vibrant. They're naturally, naturally more happier. But people who are in colder climates for longer extended periods of time where they're getting less sunlight tend to be more grumpy, okay? And so light has an effect on our psychology and our physiology. And what does that mean for us when we start to appropriate light on a subjective level? Because the hippocampus can create imagery without external light. So when you're going to sleep at night and your eyes are closed and there's no light penetrating your physical eye, the hippocampus is responsible for creating the light image or the movie that you're seeing running across the screen of space in your mind. And you can see these things just as vivid as if your eyes were open. So what happens when we learn to appropriate light on a subjective level? We can start to reverse some of these ailments and conditions that we, we plagued ourselves with and others who, whether intentionally or un, un, unknowingly, place these images in our psychologies, which lead us to an imbalance, which lead us further away from being conscious creators. What happens when we start to appropriate light on a subjective level? We start to do healing on a whole nother level where now the healing is taking place from a subconscious point of view and a quantum point of view, and you never even have to get into physical remedies to deal with problems that are originating from a psychological uh, traumatic standpoint or origin. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the lines if she's here. And I'm going to open up the line. Let's see here. Mm, let's see. Let's see if she's on the line. Um, bum, 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 bum. Um, I don't see you on here. Now, hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Let's see. Nikki, if you are on the line, press 1 so that I can open up your line. Let's see. Okay, here she is. Here she is. Hey, June, can you hear me? Yeah, Nikki, you there? Hey, I'm here. All right, cool. Nikki, introduce yourself. Um, tell them your story. Give them your story, your testimonial, and, and just you know, just share it with them exactly what you experienced. You know. Okay. Okay. Peace, family. I hope everybody's doing well this Sunday morning. And that was a, a beautiful uh, talk you just gave, June. So I've been um, I've been a part of the Quantum membership. It'll be a year this coming November. And I'm actually working on my third uh, quantum manifestation. Can I say that, Juice? <laughs> yeah, you, you you can say whatever you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm already working on my third my third quantum manifestation. Um, and and like I said, I've been in the membership for less than a year now. So um, my after my my first manifestation, um, I, I got some brand new wheels and. Literally, I, I was sitting down after that manifestation came about, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to move on to my second goal. And, you know, I thought for – I took a few days to think about what I wanted to manifest next. And uh, one of the things to immediately pop up was um, my daughter's eczema. And I was a little bit hesitant about it because I'm like, okay, I can see very clearly based on my first manifestation that I can I can materialize 
you know, I can manifest material things, but I was a little bit dubious about, you know, is it really possible? Can I can I be a healer in, in this context? And so I have to admit that I, I did have some hesitation around it. Now, uh, my daughter, I think she started showing her first signs of eczema probably at just a few months old, and she just made three in June. So we were kind of struggling with the eczema for a couple years. I think the longest amount of time she ever went without you know, with just clear of symptoms of the eczema, maybe like two, two and a half, three months max would be the longest period of time where I wouldn't see any eczema outbursts. So when my, my my opportunity rolled around to start manifesting my second goal, I was like, well, let me give it a stab. Let me see if I can get rid of this eczema. And family, I am so incredibly happy with the results. And I was I was happy to get an invitation from you this morning to share my testimony because that that healing was actually reinforced less than less than a month ago. A few weeks ago, we had a little bit of a scare where I thought that the eczema was coming back. And I'm I'm happy to say five months later, I started working on this manifestation uh, back in April of this year. So it's, it's been about five months now that my daughter has been uh, completely clear of any symptoms of her eczema. And anybody that's uh, familiar with eczema knows that eczema is a very pesky little thing. It's not little. It can be it can be pretty big. And not only for the person, you know, if you have a child suffering from it, as a parent, you know, it's a concern because you don't want your child to be uncomfortable and, you know, it, it, it leaves behind some pretty nasty scars. And that was really one of the first things that I knew for sure it worked was that the sites where her eczema would pop up because, um, in between her having these outbreaks of eczema, you could still kind of see the spots where I say that the eczema would just kind of reactivate there. And I'm telling y'all, family, this, even those spots are completely clear and gone. Literally, my, my baby is running around here with her beautiful brown skin like the day that she was born. And, and I'm so pleased and so happy with uh, the results of this manifestation. Jude, did you want me to get into a little bit of the techniques that I use? I don't want to David Ruffin the mic on you. No, uh, look, no, listen, this, this is what you can do. Tell them, tell them, just tell them how important light is, Nikki. Tell them, because she, what she did was she utilized a technique where she envisioned light. Just from from what you learn in your mm-hmm. year in the membership, tell them how important the idea and appropriation of light is, um, and the miracles that it works. Man, it's 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 powerful as as seemingly you know we literally I I I visualized a healing pink light energy over my daughter to clear her of the eczema and I also use kind of a a mantra as well just reminding myself I'm a healer I'm a healer I'm a healer and you know for me I'm a I'm a I'm the type of person I need like those immediate results I need that hard impact and so for me to even grasp the idea that this thing called light and just using my imagination to imagine this healing light I, I mean it's almost unbelievable to me that simply the the processing of light like you said has manifested the results that it has i mean i i'm i didn't use no medicine on this child i i didn't take her to no you know special uh specialist nothing like that literally i i through the power of my imagination and 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 my my processing of light i've i've been able to heal my daughter of eczema, no medicine, no nothing. Um, I, I don't know how much more simple I can say it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's powerful, Nikki. You know, that's 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 extremely powerful, and people need to hear that and know that that this is a reality. Like, you know. We really, really have to understand the true connection of imagery and universal consciousness and how the moment we take it on wholeheartedly with strong conviction, 
things like this can happen. You heard her. Didn't go to no doctors. Baby had been suffering with it basically since she was born. She started to appropriate the idea of light in her imagination, okay? And now her child is running around with the clearest skin in the world, okay? So, you know, this is the next level. This is, this is, this is where humanity is going with this quantum push, and I'm going to be at the forefront of pushing it, you know, because this is where things are going. We are evolving. We must learn how to evolve and move into another facet of our minds, activate these brain structures consciously, and be the creators that we were destined to be and are destined to be and are going to be. So, Nikki, I appreciate you coming on, sharing that as my first member. What I plan on doing is having every time I have a show, I want to have a member come on and share a testimonial. Because we have so many testimonials. Uh, I don't think we'll ever run out of people being able to come on and share their experience, whether it be relationships or health, as Nikki just described, or people having monetary breakthroughs. It's happening all the time. And so every time I have one of these shows, I want to try to get somebody on from the membership to share their experience with people because people need to hear it. You know, you hear me talking about it, me teaching it is one thing, but when you hear live people talking about the experience, real people having breakthroughs, then it does something else to the psyche so that you can, you know, feel more comfortable with the data and get in line as far as uh, the application of the information is concerned. So, Nikki, I want to thank you for being the trailblazer, being the warrior that you are. Man, Nikki, drop your info. Let the people know where they can hear you. I know you and uh, Coley Cole got a radio show. Let the oh, people yeah, know where they can absolutely. Hear you. Um, you can actually find us here on Blog Talk Family um, at the Inner Peace Lighthouse channel. Um, have a look for us. We're going to be dropping our second season uh, later on this month, if I'm not mistaken. So stay tuned and make sure you're on the, on the email list. Uh, I know Noble likes to send out the, the blast when the show comes around to let folks know to listen in for that. You can also find me on YouTube. Um, I, I have a channel over there. It's Nikki Builder. Um, and, yeah. I'm sorry, did I say the name of the show? The name of the show uh, with myself and Nicole Carter is called It's That Easy. And normally the show airs on Fridays. Right now we're we're in a little bit of a break uh, in between seasons, but the new season will be airing soon. So please be sure to look out for that, family. All right, Nikki. Well, that's what it is. Again, I appreciate you uh, just being who you are, Nikki, just authentic Nikki. You know, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here to share to share my my experience. The priesthood is is absolutely amazing. I, I, I'm thankful for y'all every day. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. So I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead. I might take a call, and then we are gonna wrap this thing up because I said I wanted to keep it at an hour, keep it at a tight hour. But again, Nikki, we appreciate it, and I get up with you. Peace. All right, so that was Nikki Nick sharing her experience with her daughter and eczema. Uh, it's really real like that, people, really, really real. Um, you know, let me see here. Do we got anybody else? May take one call. We got about two minutes. Maybe I can get one question in. Anybody on the line got any questions, press one, open your mic up, and uh, we'll take your question or your comment or whatever it is that you want to share. Nobody. I don't see anybody in the queue with their hand up. If you got a question or a comment you want to add on, press one. We'll open your line up. If not, we can close the show out. Let's see. All right. Looks like that's it. So, yeah, so um, there's some advertisements here at the end. Coming up in about two weeks, we're going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, September 23rd through the 25th for the Positron Pass workshop. We're going to be showing people how to rewire memory, how to refire data in their hippocampus so that they can um, get out of the trauma that some of these experiences have put people through. So we're going to be going through techniques. Uh, we're going to be at the Holiday Inn Express down in Jacksonville. If you want to make it, uh, go to the website, www.myastrologycoach.com and click on the tab there, you'll see Positron Pass Weekend, et cetera. You'll see it there. 
So get to the website. If you can make it to um, Jacksonville in a couple weeks, we'll be glad to see you there. Uh, outside of that, we don't have pretty much anything else going on. Uh, I can be reached at 877-345-3797. Again, we appreciate you guys for listening. Um, catch up with us. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.